There's no rules! Welcome one, welcome all, welcome back to, to the back, the porch. back porch there it is. here at Franklin Bridge. What did I say earlier? I said the back, the back patio. patio. Oh, like man, we've dude. never said we, patio. No, we've never said patio before. And like it we, felt we, weird. When we you did said a it. podcast, the Champions Playbook podcast, out here for like a year and a half, close to two years, it, said, on this back patio. And you said patio. I said patio instead of porch. porch. Back porch here at Franklin Bridge. The yeah, patio is you know. so Forest Crossing. It's <laughs> the patio Man, is so forest crossing. Well, welcome back, everybody. Uh, we're really excited to have you. If you guys haven't yet subscribed to the podcast, please do so. If you're uh, if you're on Spotify, make sure you follow. If you're on Apple Music, make sure you rate us five stars and leave us a review because that really really helps us. For if somebody else is searching for golf podcasts, our name will pop up first. So uh, not only are we on the audio, but we're also on the video. If you guys are on YouTube, uh, make sure that you go ahead and put in that search bar the no mulligans podcast and we should pop right up so make sure to subscribe to us there that'll really help so we how, appreciate y'all support that's right how many of you that are here listen or watch uh the no mulligans podcast on some sort of regularity there we go a little, hey, about half the room a little well, more than i half know the room. a lot more do because i know that you guys came up for a free ticket when you showed me that you were listening to the podcast. <laughs> that's right so that's right if you uh we'll just say this the amount of people that are in here are the amount of people who listen to the champions playbook so that's, that's right. pretty cool. And Excuse it wasn't me, no from mulligans. making the putt in the putting lab. We know that, <laughs> we know that no. that's not the case, right? I'm telling you, like, that's the area people need to spend their time. Uh, John Daly's, there's a post been floating around on social. He's like, chipping and putting, wedges and putting. If your kid's starting out, wedges and putting. So Well, and we also had a cool, uh, a cool podcast with Operation 36 as well, which if you guys aren't familiar with Operation 36, it's, uh, it's where you work from the green backwards instead of from the tee box to the green, right? And so that should build the confidence in order to shoot lower scores, which is the only rule, as we know. So for those of you who are listening, this is going to be a uh, Q&A podcast. We're on the back porch of Franklin Bridge, uh, and we are going to do an awesome Q&A. We're joined here by our newest addition to Franklin Bridge, Mr. Scott Wilkerson here, or Scooter, as he will be called. Uh, so we have got uh, the new putting lab and the new tour shop fit. yep and the tour shop as well in there so if you guys want to check out that come out here to franklin bridge and if you're listening internationally we do have a few international listeners we do go on to instagram search s hassey golf two s's two e's and go give a follow uh to scott hassey and we'll send you pictures videos from the putting lab we might even do a cool virtual lesson too that Ooh, would be really cool a yeah. cool virtual lesson so, so. uh we're gonna get this Q&A started off right. Uh, I hope you guys were thinking about the questions that you would ask. If you do, why don't you come on up here and you've got a guy that's been on tour for 20 plus years. You've got a guy who's been teaching for 15. Uh, we have a, a great course specialist over here. So we're pretty much all covered. Anything that you want to ask, feel free to come on down. So I'm going to kick it off a little bit with, I think these three generally go together. Hey, before you do that, Scott, if you guys do have a question... Why don't you uh, uh, start forming a line over here down by Tate, down by Tate. so that kinda we can uh, get this thing started off Circle right. around the back side of Tate and kind of go along the wall here so Perfect. you're not in, in the view of, of people. So Perfect. Um, I want to make sure we address juniors, specifically ladies and seniors. So the reason why I lump those three together is, generally speaking, that group 
has lower club head speeds. Now you're seeing a lot of like women's golf is the fastest growing segment of the game. And with junior golf, you're seeing girls golf grow. And so you're seeing them, the fitness levels come way up. The club head speeds are coming up. So that's starting to shift a little bit from a lady's standpoint. Uh, but like those three to me go together. And I think those three generally in some ways are the worst fit of the bunch and they would benefit tremendously. Elijah just did a big fitting with a number of our ladies uh, from our ladies uh, clinics recently uh, the other day, and it was like, wow, this is so much easier. It's like, yes, it is. So um, you'll take us through, like, what do you see in those three segments, and then what are some of the things we're bringing to the table this year? We can talk about the iGen and that such um, that can be beneficial to these three groups. I'd say this, the lumping them together does make sense because lighter weight shafts, a little more flexible shafts are things that, you know, you didn't have a ton of options on, um, say, 10 years ago, right? Uh, everybody kind of got stuck in the heavier stuff and longer stuff and, <laughs> yep. So I'd say, you know, we, uh, Scott mentioned iGen. Uh, I'll give you a quick story on iGen. iGen is a a golf club that a friend of mine, Pat Dempsey, you guys, if you follow Long Drive, he's a, he's actually best man, best man in my wedding. We were talking about him earlier. Um, some of you may remember Rick Dempsey, the baseball player. This is his brother. Does Long Drive. He's won four national Long Drives. Uh, this guy's the real deal. But he found the same thing. He lives out in L.A., and he's having all these young juniors come to him and the ladies come to him and seniors. He's like, man, I just can't find stuff, especially for junior golfers, right? Uh, that's just not kind of a, hey, here's your six-month set. We're going to have to get you another one in six months and then a year. When you hit your growth spurt, then we get some craziness. Um, so uh, we got more. So you got a question? or No? Uh, so uh, iGen is a it's, a, it's a little more expensive golf club, but the, the, the reality of it is you only buy it one set for four years. Uh, the hosels are bendable because they're forged. Uh, it has a weighting system that can change the swing weights. Uh, the lie angles, also bendable because of uh, lie angles and lofts, are bendable because of being forged. Length of the shaft is easy, right, because we just changed the shafts. Shafts are not super expensive. Um, so grips, they go small to a little bit larger, to a little bit larger till they get into an adult size. So it's a set of clubs that could follow you from your junior high school to before college, right? Right before you go off to school to play college golf. So that's some stuff we're going to introduce out here that if you have a junior uh, golfer in your family and you're like, I'm just tired of buying golf clubs, this could be the answer to some of that. Uh, on the women's side and the senior side, because I'm sort of creeping into that a little bit, I I've, I've myself have went to lighter weight shafts. I'm saying 40, 50-gram shafts and also length. You know, if I can handle – if you can handle the length – being a, a little bit longer and still not lose accuracy, uh, it's a pretty easy way to pick up four or five miles an hour club head speed. Okay, for and for women and for seniors, it's a big deal, right? Because all we do is start to go the other way. We start to lose distance, and you sort of accept it. But there's things now shaft-wise that we can kind of get you back to where you were with some good instruction and lighter shafts, longer shafts. Come join the Hit It Far class 2.0. So, Elijah, uh, what do we say? What do we say at the <clears> – <throat> is that all you got? Is that all you got? So, uh, hitting it farther – this will be my last question. Then I want you all to come up and ask questions. Um, 
So you've, I've seen some numbers on the tour, like if hitting it farther equates to X number of dollars more, all of that. I find the general public, Elijah, you see this on the golf course a good bit. They're like, I want to hit my seven iron this much further. Why don't we get the distance on the driver? Why don't you hit it 10 yards further there and then let the rest come in? So uh, the way I kind of talk to people about it, if you have a gamut from accuracy to distance of importance, the driver's all the way up here, the putter's all the way down here. And you just spread through that deal. So you see people on the golf course trying to hit their seven iron, whatever. Like we had a couple of people in cracking the code this winter. I'm like, y'all, stop trying to hit your seven iron 165 yards. Like, yeah, it's the dead cold of December, and you know we're trying to hit it what we hit it in the summertime. <clears throat> and they don't hit it that far in the summertime either, right? Or or should correct. Um, sorry, this bird is kind of distracting me. What was the question? I'm not so, even kidding. So what you see on the golf course with like people trying to hit it farther, deal with that on the driver's side, not on the iron side. But they're all trying to hit their irons farther. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Like, I mean, picking up picking up ten yards with the driver, you know, is it's one or two for most people. It's it's one or two small improvements in, in their motion. Um, Gaining, you know, and I can I can say this from experience, like gaining two, two and a half clubs with irons. I mean, what, we went from 142 with an eight iron to about 170. Like that, that was 18 months of, of work and total swing overhaul. And I gained 20 pounds doing that. Like hitting an iron further or gassing an iron or like saying, oh, I'm just going to, I'm going to muscle up on this nine here instead of hitting an eight. Like I just really don't, and even for myself, like I just don't really see that working out in the player's favor hardly, you know, ever. Um, and so, yeah, the importance of driving distance is, is way more important than iron distance because if you can cut 10 or 15 yards off of every par four and every par five, you know, let's talk about the difference in 10 to 14 holes, what so, that does for you. Right. And so we're back to the club fitting side of that. Like, so yeah, and like iron these guys fitting, don't just have to train more to hit it farther, getting fit correctly. Yeah. You're you not going to ball hit fittings it that now. Much like, Absolutely. I know King's got this whole system to be able to figure out. They don't sell golf balls, so they're an unbiased resource. Like, how do we get that trajectory just where we need it to be to maximize distance? I'd say, yeah, golf balls kind of overlook sometimes because guys just girls just pick it up and go oh it's a titleist i guess i'll play it but um spin and launch obviously on driver is such a big deal that um get i mean gains like what you got elijah's crazy <laughs> i mean obviously there was obviously some technique and stuff you guys worked on pretty hard too but um and clubs you know you look at golf clubs now they're getting stronger right they're more weight in the bottom, they're de-lofting, they're doing all those things to make you hit it higher and further. Um, but again, looking at the golf ball and reducing five or 600 RPMs of spin with a driver could be could be seven, eight yards, 10 yards, right, a carry. So it's I think it's uh, you have to look at all of it, right? Um, one question that I want to ask, not only Elijah, but both Scott's over here as well, is how many people do you get either for a lesson, playing lesson that you're just playing out with on the course, they're like, yeah, well, I hit my, um, you know, I hit my eight iron 160, and so I'm just going to, you know, play it one, play it 160, right? Like, how many people are trying to smash 
based off of how the furthest distance they hit on a golf car, uh, excuse me, a golf club, rather than saying, all right, let's play with trajectory, let's play with spin, let's play with uh, how far we take the club back. Let's let's consider other factors other than our top distance. So I'm gonna jump in real quick. These two pieces of equipment right here. You've got probably a little north of fifty thousand dollars worth of equipment sitting in front of here. If it says that you hit your seven iron a hundred and seven yards, that's how far you hit your seven iron. They that's exactly how far it goes in the air. Now, how far it rolls out may depend on how high you hit it, how soft you hit it. So, like this thing is not wrong. Neither is that one. This is right. That's why the tour now has both. They have some. They have strengths in different areas, Absolutely. but we have them out here. Like this stuff is accurate; it does it right. And so, like that's one of the things we did in cracking the code this winter is the phrase was "I want what's real." That's all they care about on the tour. What's real? One hundred percent. Well, I want to like no. That's what you got. I had a gentleman in uh, the other day. He's like, "Man, one seventeen with my seven iron. Like that's not very good." I was like, "No, it's not. Like <laughs> right. it's not very good. But it like, is real. It's o- but like it's okay. Like." He's like, man, I said, okay, so how, how often do you putt from behind the flag on a decently struck shot? Uh, well, never. Well, never. <laughs> never. Okay, so that means what? Well, I guess I don't hit it that far. Well, that's exactly correct. That matches what we have here. It's about 30 yards short. Like, okay, that's, that's about right. So if you figure the rollout on a low 7-iron like that's probably going maybe 130. Correct. We uh, old old story. Uh, when TrackMan first came out, and I've had since the original TrackMan, I've had one um, in say the last 15 years. Uh, I had a tour player actually come out, and he had just walked off. I think it was at at uh, maybe at uh, Phoenix, the Phoenix Open, and he had just walked off one of the par threes, and he said, "Yeah, I want to get on TrackMan and just see um, exactly how far I hit my six iron." It's delicate work. Uh, so he comes over on track, man. There we go. Right here. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, you got a birdie. See you later. (laughs) (laughs) What club did you hit? Well, three iron there. Wow. (laughs) Nice shot. A hole out with a three iron for a birdie. Uh, so, uh, if I can remember where I got to, I, I think... Phoenix and the player was a six iron. He'd hit a six iron on the par three, and he said, "Yeah, I just want to make sure I know what my carry numbers are." And we put TrackMan up again, radar based, tracks a golf ball just like it does clouds and everything else, and picks it up. And when it stops, it tells you what the numbers are, right? So we get on there, and he hits four or five, and he looks back and goes six iron going one sixty nine. I was like, "That can't be right." I was like, "We'll hit another one, right?" So he hits it, and I go one sixty eight. He's going, no, there's, he, he got mad at TrackMan, right? He was like, that thing's wrong. I was like, no, it's not. I'm sorry, it's not wrong. You're, you're, what you're measuring, and he says, I just hit one on the last hole, 175 or 178. What it was like, yeah, but it didn't carry that. This is giving you a carry number, and then how much it rolls out could depend on how hard the greens are, what, where you hit, how much spin you had on it, how high you hit it, all kinds of things. And the beauty of these two, um, these measuring devices are they're going to tell us that, right? And we can, we can at least go, hey, like Scott's saying, this is reality. If you want it to go 178 or 180, we've got to change lofts or we got to get you stronger. We've got to do something to do it. But at least the recipe is there. we got a, we got a question over yeah, here, let's too. Let's hit the question. Let's hit the question. Yeah. Oh, whoops, sorry. 
We got to use the mic here. Yep. I, I have two questions. Your, One, your, your name first. Uh, Bill. Bill. Bill Chapman. There we go. Yeah. So Just for the people the, at home, Bill. The, the question is, what part, if any, does toe angle play on putting? And then the, the – the, well, let's go with that one. Toe, are you talking about toe hang or the actual lie angle? The toe angle of the club when you put it on your finger when it drops. Toe hang. So, so toe hang, yeah. Toe, toe hang is important depending on, uh, again, when you go through a fitting in the lab or wherever else you go through a fitting, you're going to see some toe hangs, some has no hang, and then some will actually go the other direction. Yeah. So they're very weird. Yeah, those are very weird. But it's, it, a lot of it has to do with stroke. So when we put you on track, man, you putted tonight. Saw some of those numbers, and we start to look at lying goal not only at address but at impact because people change, right? They'll go f pretty flat at, at address, and by the time they hit it, their hands will raised up, and they've got created toe hang, right? So if you've got a toe hang putter and you're creating toe hang, then you're going to hit everything to the right. You're going to miss every putt to the right. So if you love toe hang, we would, all, we would go in and adjust that putter to get the toe off the ground, right, so more upright. So it does play a role, but it's more of – if you just love the look and feel of it, you could always change it to, to fit your stroke. Okay, But it is important, very important. Yeah, and so you're going to get a fitter's going to want to fit and a teacher's going to want to teach. Exactly. Right, and yeah. so like putting the two together of like, all right, so is that the most effective motion you need to make? And if so, like this is where the best case is like we kind of work together a little bit of, all right, we need this. Elijah's on the golf course going, hey, dude's missing every putt to the right. Like, all right. Okay, let's take a look at the putter. Fits the putter, like, man, those numbers are just kind of all over the place. Got him in the best putter. Why don't you go see Scott? So now you've got the full yep, the agreed. full story. Yep. So and you almost need that. I mean, it, it's hard, again, because putting surfaces change and grasses change and, you know, speed changes. Those are so many variables that you need not only the fundamentals of good putting, uh, but something that fits the fundamentals of good putting. I would go this far. I don't think most fitters – unless they're in an academy, which there are a number of academies all over the country and all over the world, but most fitters don't have an interaction, especially if you're in your golf galaxy or places like that, um, Dick Sporting Goods, whatever. They don't have an interaction with a teacher on a regular basis on a golf course. So having a real ball flight is really important. But as he's dealing with not only the player, he's got the caddy who's basically his strategy guy telling him, we always miss it over here, we miss it over there. Uh, and you've got their instructor going, like, this is what I, like, all right, that's the motion right there. So you've having to deal with these three dynamics all together. And possibly, I'm guessing you occasionally get, like, the personal trainer in on it. Like, this is, like, he's hurting. He's Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, if there's an injury or something, yeah, you're you're dealing with, it's a, it's a juggling act, basically, because, um, like Scott's saying, the, they trust the caddy. They better, right? Uh, their instructor is... Typically with the better players, uh, say the John Roms and those guys that are, you know, kind of gliding along, playing good all the time, the instructor comes out once a month maybe and just tunes them up a little bit, looks at things. Uh, and then if you, again, add a strength condi conditioning coach, you got a numbers guy. Now most of these guys use uh, the stuff that Scott talks about and writes about. Um, so it, it is a juggling act of getting all of those people on the same page, right? Um, but, uh, again, it's knowing personalities and how they learn and um, figuring it out, 
you know, as best you can. <laughs> What's question two? And then we'll get to Colin. Yes. The second question I have is when you're a senior and you've lost speed, so you have a slow – how can you get spin on the ball around with your wedges and approach shots? Uh, you want to let me take that? Uh, I'd, I'd say – um, if it's about you're talking about like pitching and chipping and being able to hit the little skip shot that stops and all that, a lot of that is technique. Um, and Scott will tell you, probably 75% of that is technique and teaching you to catch golf ball first, uh, compress the golf ball, nice new grooves help a lot. Yep. <laughs> and I'll say this: the tour guys, again, they get everything for free, so it's easy to ask for everything. So they they will change wedges every two to three weeks, believe it or not. <laughs> I mean, it's ridiculous. It's tons of golf clubs. It, it is. So think about a brand new wedge every two or three weeks. You're probably going to spin it a lot. If you're like me, you might have one four years old. There's no grooves left. So what? in the fitting side of it, um, bounce, uh, like Elijah was talking about earlier, uh, catching, getting something with less bounce where you, get, where you catch it cleaner. Uh, Regrooving or new grooving the face of those wedges can help a little bit, and we can do that I mean, legally. Shafts, you can play with shafts. Shafts could be a little softer and lighter, right? So a lot of ways to get to where you're trying to get to, but I think we would have to evaluate and go, is it technique or is it a combination of technique? And not only, not only that, Scott, but type of grass as well. Absolutely. Oh, gosh. Everybody's out here wanting to spin wedges out here. Newsflash, Elijah and I aren't going to spin them the rest of the year. Okay, so that means you're not going to either. Okay, yeah, it's we have not Champions happen. Bermuda grass, which is the most durable grass. Which, with the amount of rounds y'all see out here, if we don't have Champions Bermuda, we don't have greens. Okay, so uh, we have that Champions Bermuda, which is fantastic. So, is the other question I like to ask to to Bill a little bit? We get this asked in lessons all the time. Everybody wants to spin it. It's like, well, you don't need to spin it. So if you're having, if you have a need to spin it a lot. You're placing the ball, so we're back to strategy with Elijah. You're placing the ball in a spot that you shouldn't need to spin it from. You see spinning it on the TV. Like, most tour players are trying to not spin it as much. Like, they're trying to reduce spin. Yes, they tend to produce too much at times. But, like, when you have a lot of spin on a golf ball, it's actually harder to control uh, from a player standpoint. You want to try to minimize that. We've had that with Micah, one of our college players. Like, Micah, dude, you're spinning your wedges way too much, man. Like, we got to chill out. Let's hit some bump and runs here. Like, you don't see it on, like, here's what you see on TV. You see the short-sided shot that spins a lot, like, because they have to, and it's the only shot they can hit. H and how that's many what sells. That's what sells. Like, we did this with our ladies' clinic this morning. Like, please, you can hit it on the ground. Like, Absolutely. run it on the ground. Keep it on the ground. If all of you grew up in Europe, you'd be hitting it on the ground all the time. You wouldn't be asking about spinning. You'd be asking, yeah. how can I roll it out better, right? How many so, people here, too, have seen a Tiger clip where he says, I'm just trying to take spin off the golf ball? Yep. Has anybody seen that? Uh, yep. Yeah, they're trying to say, I'm, I'm trying to take as much spin off the golf ball. Because he used to play with super spinny stuff, he did. and so he spins the crap out of the ball. So he's trying to do the opposite, take it off. And, and Tiger, Tiger plays the softest golf ball ever made. It is super soft, but he's learned to, again, with holding angles and knocking it down. I mean, I remember a quick story. Um, 
Tiger was actually the first guy I met when I got on tour. It was again That's so cool. <laughs> one of the one of, a nervous, very. It's nervous only downhill situation. from there, Skinner. It's only yeah, downhill from I know, there. Right? I can't. I can't get better than that. But it was um, again. It was at Torrey Pines. I'll never forget it. I was working for Seymour Putters, and Tiger comes by and he he rolls some putts, and I'm like, God, I don't even know if I should even talk to the guy or not. I'm out there like at 5 a.m. and of course Tiger's coming through. And he uh, he goes, you know, I played with that uh, bleep, bleep, bleep Zach Johnson yesterday, and he made everything. He goes, I go, man, you can take one. He goes, no, I'm, I'm under contract. I can't take I can't take a Seymour putter. But he did roll it, and then uh, – but the, the, the big story with him was is the fitting process for Tiger was uh, the 8-iron. Like he spent days on just the 8-iron, right, learning to hit – a 130 shot, a 140 shot, a 150 shot, a 160 shot, because those shots where he's playing into the wind, tuck pins, hard greens, whatever it was, he could hit that. He had five shots with his eight iron, and if he got that right, he could get everything else right around it. Yeah, and Bill, to kind of finish up your question, like we can get it to spin more. So one of the cool things that we got to see down at the PGA show was, um, gosh, I'm going to forget the name off the top of my head, Um, at the Titleist area wedges um uh bah, 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 bah. who do we see who was talking about wedges do you remember ah shoot we both forgot it was a guy gosh it's a tour Some player guy. so but just give me a second with technology we've we've found that the optimum launch angle for producing spin is 28 to 32 degrees so we can utilize the technology to kind of see where you're launching it if you're launching it lower than that you're not going to be able to generate enough spin if you're launching it too high and that you're not going to generate enough spin either so that ball tends to slip on that face and doesn't catch it enough to be able to produce spin so whether that be a cl- you, you'll be able to find that out in a club fitting in a lesson or even on the golf course with elijah so like you can kind of get that knowledge from three different places on how to be able to spin that uh, we did a tour wedge stuff last fall and so that was one of the areas we were trying to look at. How can we optimize that? So trying to find where you can repeat the same amount of spin, I think is probably more important. Uh, and get inside of that launch window, whether that be a 20 or 30 yard pitch that you need a little bit of grab on, or whether that be a 60 or 70 yard wedge shot, where when these greens do get really firm, it's like, can I just have a little bit of bite to kind of hold it on the green? So we can do some stuff there. So call it. Um, two questions. Two questions. The first one is, um, what kind of clubs do I need to really improve my gameplay on the course? Okay, say that question one more time, a little louder. Um, what kind of clubs do I need to improve my gameplay on the course? What club? Clubs. Okay. Yeah. So, so probably what we were talking about earlier would be like the iGen club, something that. How old are you? Ten. Ten. So you're in the next four years, you're going to grow a bunch, right? Um, the iGen would allow that you to, to get the club now and never change that club head, right? So you're always looking at the same face and the same uh, look club, like a thinner club, not a big, you know, bulky club. And then we just simply change lie angles by bending it and change the loss by bending it and the length of the club with the shaft. So if you're looking for something that could you could stay with because to me again the the tour guys don't really change that much we were talking about that earlier there's a there's kind of a pattern for them that they when they have to change they will but they don't change unless it's that time 
um, with new golf clubs. But I would probably put you in a set of iGens, and then we would just kind of work as you grew, then the clubs would grow with you. Okay. And I think long term, that'll actually save the parents money. It's a little bit bigger investment on the front end. It is. But, but again, for, if, you go can, with you. if you can stretch it out, then it's instead of buying four or five sets of clubs, <laughs> um, you, you're, you're buying one set of clubs. Okay. Second question. Um, what can I do to, like, kind of qualify for the PGA Junior League Championships? Practice a whole <laughs> bunch. So, PGA um, so as much as you can practice, practice. If you're at home, practice. If you're uh, sitting at school in study hall, think about practicing. Um, when you <laughs> – so – School. So, so in all seriousness, I say this to parents. They're like, well, he needs to work on his schoolwork. I was like, all right, time out about schoolwork. It gets dark about 8 o'clock, 8.39, right? So and he's 10, so schoolwork isn't huge. The, the homework isn't huge volume. But even when they get into high school, the time for them to practice, the most effective time is at the golf course, not hitting into the net at home. Like, get them on a golf course. Well, they got schoolwork. I was like, that's fine. They're going to have to learn that discipline when they go to, when they go to college. So when it's light, practice. I'll let them practice till dark till they can't see. Then come home and learn the discipline to do your homework. And if you can't get your homework done, you lose golf privileges. So, yeah, I'll let the college player answer. You got, he's got <laughs> to, to go on with um, all the practice. Get your, get your head in some books. Read as many as you can. Get your parents to take you to the bookstore. There are thousands upon thousands of golf books Read all of them. I'm telling you, just be an open vessel for any and every bit of information you can get, and I promise you're going to improve. That's good. I like that. Love that. Thanks for the questions. Get that boy some tickets. Yeah, we need tickets. We need tickets. We need tickets. Awesome. Two questions, two tickets. Correct. Oh, best golf book. Hey, Hassey, Hassey or uh, Dustin over there? Best golf book? Um, ooh. Uh, Champions so Playbook, yeah. <laughs> the Champions Playbook. Uh, no, no, no. Um, I would say uh, The Game I Love by Sam Snead. It's a, it's a really easy read. Um, I know it's kid appropriate. Like, it's a kind of a coffee table chicken soup type book. And so he shares all lots of little snippets. There's a couple tips. There's some history. There's some... It's a wonderful little book. It's a couple bucks. What's another one on the, on the other end table? If we're going to go kids-related and things like that, there's a Tiger Woods book that I had on my coffee table forever, and it's Tiger Woods, How I Play Golf. Pictures, it's huge, it's massive, um, and you're looking up to Tiger Woods. I mean, the best ever, in my opinion, so it's a good thing to look at. Sweet. Next question. Hello. Uh, hypothetically, my high-handicap golfer, uh, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm the only one. But uh, <laughs> when we're talking about wedges, we hear bounce, grind, all that. Sure, there's differences. How much should a high handicapper friend of mine care about that? And is there a Swiss Army number that we'll just we need to shoot for because we don't get new wedges like the PGA does every course they play things like that. So put it in English. None of this mumbo jumbo, bounce and grind. What do I need to know? Before wow. That's keep, a great question. Keep the bounce, keep the bouncing and grinding to the dance floor. We're good. 
Oh. I, I would say this. Um, bounce is super important, right? And, and I don't think you have to have, you know, depending on if you play most of your golf here, then I'm with Elijah. You probably need the lower bounce golf club, right? Um, just because of the turf and the interaction. It's, so depending on, like, like I play, I play heavy high bounce stuff because the golf course I play is Zoysia and it ball sets up really high, so you don't want to dig it, right? So you want bounce in. And I truly believe, and Scott and Elijah can speak to this, but if you're not a, a, a experienced player or a great player yet, I think bounce is your friend, especially bunkers, right? Um, especially rough, those kind of things that you're chipping and pitching out of for a higher hand, handicap golfer. But the best thing to do is come see me. Let's, let's get you on different ki kinds of surfaces and the most surface that you play out here, and we'll just test them. We'll test until we find something that works. It's got to be low, right? Like, like Elijah's saying, it's a lot of – Eight. Um, I love eight. Uh, I have one of my high-level juniors. I have him all the way down at six. Wow. Yeah. But he's I'm good enough to be able to play that wedge. And out here, it's great. And so here's the other thing for me from a fitting perspective. I'm a good enough fitter to be like, all right, I'm going to put a kid in a club to build the motion I need. So he'll get penalized if he does it wrong. So six is going to be too low for pretty much everybody in the room. Uh, eight to ten would be fine. We can go. You can get in betweens with Scott here with nines and nine and a half, and you can get really dial it in. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I mean, I, I don't think I don't think anything above really ten out here. Um, and 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 also like from from fitting for me, you know, for the not as good players, you know, I fit a lot into the CBX wedge with Cleveland, which, you know, it's it's got a wide sole. It's very forgiving. It's still only at 10 degrees bounce. So, like, it's not a crazy high bounce, even for a higher handicap, and still a very playable wedge. You can open up the club face. You know, you can hit all of the shots that you hit with a, with a tour mill wedge, but uh, it, it still doesn't have a high degree of bounce on it. You know, that's still 10 degrees for most wedges is pretty mid overall. So yeah, I'd agree with that. That's probably a really good average. I, you know, there's stuff that's, and, and again, bounce is pretty relative. Like you can bend bounce into a club. So if you had something that was, and, and I do a lot of, uh, especially with my college players and stuff, we will, we kind of do away with the 58 and above the 58 and 60 degrees. Right. Cause people are usually better pitchers and chippers with like a 54 or a 56 mm -hmm. because of the bounce. Right. And y'all, y'all hear that, right? <laughs> like, seriously, get, we don't need the high lofted clubs. Like if you need that club, come see us to, on, on the teaching side to learn how to hit a basic shot. Yes. And yeah, get great. fit for that club. And I, and I think again, you're, you're, you're kind of, your question is like, well, where do I go for bounce? Like how low or how high? I, I think again, I almost have to, we would have to look at that a little bit. Some people are, really hands forward or shaft lean, ton of shaft lean. I'm a big shaft lean guy. That's just how I pitch and chip. Some people are hands back, right? So if you do, you create bounce with hands back or you decrease by hands forward. So to me, again, that's why 54-56 ends up being a good club to chip with because it's in that little range where, you know, you can get away with both back and forward. Okay. Yep. Got it. Next. Reiner. Okay, I, I've got one question, but before I go there, uh, the young lad over here, he was asking about a career path, and 
when my daughter was eight, I had her at the short, the short course over here in the Brent Snedeker, and they offered actually a career path to successful PGA. And for women, it's a little, uh, for females, it's a little bit different. If you can break 80 in Tennessee, you can, you can make any college team. And the problem with that was because I played golf and I was better than she was, she didn't, she didn't want to follow that path. So now she's an equine specialist. She, she jumps horses. Uh, I, just thought I'd, I just thought I'd put that out there. The short course, Brent Snedeker, they, give, they actually have classes that'll take you through your career so that's I don't know why if you knew about that. So that's why we do Operation 36 with our juniors. There's you, actually you like that? we track all their pra- all their practice goes into the app. We track where their scoring is. We start at 25 yards, 50 yards, they move back and yeah. we can actually see by their age and their practice levels and their scoring what where they're at on their track. So yeah. there's actually been plenty of data so we use that app. Perfect. So you can do the same. Uh, I just I just want a raffle ticket for, for that <laughs> bit of advice. Okay. <laughs> Uh, my my real question came when I my real my real question comes. Um, I'm just an average golfer. Uh, I you know I, I can break 80, which is which is uh, better than better than most. But um, I heard that McElroy and some of the top players in the game change their wedges sometimes four times a year, if not every fourth game, because they're losing. They're losing their edges, uh, their, 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 their grooves. I've got clubs, and I know it's a little more difficult out here because the greens are a lot tougher. They're, they're, they're sand-based, and, and the balls tend to skip a lot. My, my wedges, and, 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 and to your point on your previous conversation where you got rid of the 58, I went from my 58 back to my 56. Um, I still use my 60 because I think it might help me out of the out of bunker. I'm a terrible bunker player. I lose, I lose five to six strokes a game from 15 to 20 yards in. My clubs are over 20 years old, and I cannot get spin on my wedges anymore. What, when do you recommend that a club loses its grooves, okay, where you're losing that ability to spin the ball? Because I'd love to have more spin to hold it. Take it further on the green towards the pin, like maybe four feet from the pin, hit once, and then stick. I cannot do that today. Is it because of my clubs? I don't think it is because I'm hitting the ball properly. I, I'd say that, did you say 20 years old? Like, yeah. yeah. I, got, I got a Callaway 20, uh, uh, 56, and then I, you know, I, I, I play uh, <laughs> Razors, that, uh, you know, my pitching wedge. <laughs> it's the clubs. Yeah. It, it is it, the clubs. So <laughs> yeah. I have because. no grooves left yeah. is what you're saying. Yeah, it's time for new wedges. Yeah, New wedges. <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, Scott, I've, I've heard the Cleveland wedges are really great. <laughs> yeah, they are. And if you haven't had the right shaft, you can have it today. Absolutely. So, so yeah, it, it's time for new. And I'm, I'm not saying it's all the wedge because you can still spin. You can spin a wedge with no grooves on it if your technique is perfect, right? Yeah. Um, but it's I'd say fun. this, the, the, like the Mac- McElroy's, the, we were talking about that earlier, but he went through a series, what, like a maybe late fall where he couldn't, he was missing greens with 80 yard wedges and because he couldn't control spin like, like they're talking about. Right. So, uh, he got on track, man, he got on GC quad and he started to look at 
like his spin numbers were going crazy down, even though they were new because he's on top, compressing, shaft lean. He's turning his 58 into a 46, and you're going to hit that further, right? So spin didn't help him other than he was taking too much off, right? So I'd say new wedges, look at technique, um, and they, they can teach you to spin the golf ball. There's no doubt in my mind about that. You know what I, I find sometimes, though, too, when, when I do get a little bit of spin, it'll hit the green, and it'll bounce. It'll spin left, or it'll spin right. How do you control that? that that's, I mean, again, it's technique, probably, right? It, it could be numerous things. It sounds like shut club face, probably, with a bad path, and then that's where these guys will step in and go, look, you, you can't – Here's the deal. I've never seen one PGA Tour player or good amateur player or good college player, whatever you want to say, at the top top of the, you know, low handicap, whatever, with that hit chip shots or pitch shots from the inside with a shot club face. They they don't. No one does that. They hate the club. Always open. They hate the club being inside and they hate it being closed. Yes, because <clears throat> of the bounce. So, yeah, and I mean – and. Also, to answer Reinhardt's question from a strategy side, too, is, I mean, there are certain greens out here that the grain is not from back to front. They can be right to left. It can be left to right. So the, the grain absolutely has an influence on which way the ball bounces as well, too. So uh, it, it's, it's totally dependent upon a number of different conditions and yeah, situations you like have, that. You have so. the shiny side on the fairways here, so we mow our fairways one way and the other way. So you can move that ball two yards, You be and that spin profile changes entirely depending on which side of that fairway you're sitting on. So. All right, we got, uh, we, got, we got a couple more questions here, and then we're going to do our big giveaways, with the custom shaft and the custom putter as well. So stick around. We and got a few more questions free lessons left. And, stuff. and free lessons. So we got a few more questions left here. Awesome. I'll be fast. Hey, don't feel bad. I'm hey, hitting Don't 19. be fast. Be slow. We're here to have a good time, you know? <laughs> I am, uh, I'm hitting 1980s Ping I 2s, which Scott. They're such an awesome club. Oh, they're I, so great. I keep telling myself until I can – until I can break 90 consistently, I don't need to buy new irons. But probably listening to you talk tonight, I'm probably chicken or egg there. My question is about the brands of golf clubs and how much they matter. Because you get you talk about Tiger, man, I wish I could use that putter, but I have a contract with so-and-so. Does it really matter? Can you, make, can you fit anybody to any brand, I guess? That's a great question. I, I would say... If it's it's not so much about the brand or some some companies are really really good at irons, some companies are really really good at woods, some are great putter companies, and I always say there's some mix of something good in all of those Callaway, TaylorMade, whatever. Um, but the right fit is way more important than what club you're using, right? So if we get your lie angles and your length and your grip and your loss correct. Any club, any brand could work. Correct, yeah. The fits across the board. The irons can look and feel differently. And you may hit a club that he fits you to perfectly, and you're like, man, I just can't look at this. I don't like the sound of it. I don't like the feel of it. It works great. The numbers are great. That's fine. That's why we have all these different companies to be able to select from. So, like, from a teaching perspective, like, if a person doesn't like the club, we're not going to hit it. Like, I'm sorry, you need a new club. Now, sometimes off an angle, I did this with a junior one time. He's like, man, I can't hit this three-wood. This three-wood's terrible. Hits this five-wood, great. Switches to three-wood. It's all over the place. I was like, can I see that real quick? He's like, yeah. So I unscrewed the the head, 
played around, put it back down, uh, hit two shots with it, hit it pretty good, and then gave it back to him. I was like, why don't you try it? I think, I think this will f- work better for you. I didn't change the setting at all. I just spun it around and gave it back to him. And he hit it great. He's like, oh, dude, that was awesome. What would you do? I was like, I just played around with it a little bit, which I'm not lying. I played around with it. I didn't change anything, though. So, you know, there is, like, there is a feel component to a player that I think it's important just in lessons as well. Like, uh, we had a lady in ladies' school. She's like, I can't do that. I was like, okay, well, then we're not going to. I got other routes I can go. He's got other routes he can go. So it's important that your feedback, both in the lesson, on the golf course, on the teaching tee, on the fitting tee, that your input comes into that fit in order in order to get you in the right thing yeah and i think that also like there's all these different brands have you know basically they produce the same style of clubs right they all have their game improvement they all have you know a hybrid or some extension of a hybrid iron you know they all have a blade they all have a player's iron they all have something kind of in between and so you know one of the questions i've got a ton in fittings and uh, you know scott's on the tour and doing that, but uh, in his personal fittings, we can always recommend uh, if you just are dying for Callaway, right? But I don't have a Callaway fitting kit. Like, I can recommend to you, hey, you should get this iron with Callaway, but like getting the specs and getting the shaft weight and getting the swing weight and all of those things right are more important than necessarily what brand you buy. Is that Kind agree. of what you're saying. Yeah, 100% agree. And I think uh, it, no matter what you fit to, if it's a TaylorMade or a Callaway, that fit goes across the board somehow. Like we could transfer that to a ping. We could transfer that to whatever just because bending loss and lies is the same no matter what company. But right, you need with. to know that you're two degrees upright Absolutely. and that you have too heavy have of to a shaft that. and that yes. the standard size grip is not good for the size of your palm. Right. Correct. They need to know those things before they even think about a brand. Way more agree important. with that? Yeah, okay. way more important. I would important. agree. The other thing, too, uh, the one thing that I'll add here is, I guess, the amateur, is that I've got my club sitting right up here, and uh, I've got a combo set, which means I play one model of iron for my short irons all the way up to my five iron, and then I have a different style of iron for my four iron and my three iron as well. So let's not also, uh, let's not also discount the ability of different irons to do different things depending on your club as well. Totally agree. I mean, the hybrid, obviously, uh, back in the day when I worked for Adams Golf, we were dominant in the hy- hybrid market. Um, but I say exactly what you're, you're saying is, can I mix and match? Well, sure you can, right? I can do, I'm not ashamed to say I play a six hybrid. Uh, I got a lot of head covers Go in my team. Bag. <laughs> yes. So, so do don't be embarrassed to play. It's not just the girls on tour that play uh, higher lofted hybrids and, and fairway woods. I mean, I, this, w- uh, this past week in New Orleans, I built two seven woods for one guy who was top 30 player in the world, and one guy was a rookie on tour. But the golf course demanded some higher, softer shots, and they – Nobody, no, no matter. Nicholas probably was the best at the three irons and the two irons and that stuff. But you have to remember they probably had the loft of our five iron now, right, or whatever. So it was easier to hit those. But now I see guys, tour players, especially going to higher lofted uh, fairway woods and, and hybrids. Remind me to come back to that after she asked her question. Hi, my name is Lauren. 
Um, I have two questions. The first is more of a general question for ladies in golf and the ladies in golf community. And then I have a more specific question just kind of based off of what I've recognized in my own swing. So my general question is, do you have any books or pro golfers that you would recommend ladies to read or watch to help us improve our golf game? Uh, is Ken still here or did Ken leave? Oh, Ken, Ken left. Bummer. Uh, so I've been toying with, we've done this in the past, um, from the swing side, I can speak to that, uh, is we're going to run an experiment later this year uh, once Ken's done with his schoolwork at uh, Lipscomb. So, but is this summer we're going to run a study of, we're going to have you watch a swing video and let your swing evolve over that. So there's actually some research in the high-level sports space of, um, uh-oh, did we lose? All good. All we good. got the audio. I'm sorry, we got the audio, so we're good. Um, but is if you watch golf swings over and over and over again, your brain actually begins to repeat that behavior. If I take uh, a junior golfer and whoever they learn to play golf from, whether that be a bigger older brother, a parent, a uh, grandparent, whatever, and I mix them all up on the driving range, and then you ask me to pair them together, it is really stinking easy to pair them together, even if they've had lessons. So I can mix them because your habits tend to follow those that you're around, which is why we say, like, uh, we did this with Austin. Gene is kind of what prompted it. One of my best players, four-time All-American, national champion, eight course records. So um, his team, if you look at their Instagram feed, when he first got there, all their swings looked different. By the time he graduated there, almost all of their swings had the same kind of strange finish that he has. So they all started to mesh with his. He was the leader of the pack. He, he never watched anybody else when he played. He was just always out here. And so it all followed him all the way up into that space. So in terms of which golf swings to watch, um, there's... Nelly Corda's a really good Nelly one. Nelly Corda's good. Um, let, let me think about it more specifically for your golf swing um, to try and fit it with that. So with Ken, what I did is I had him watch Ricky Fowler over and over and over again because he had some idiosyncrasies that matched Ricky. And if you look at Ken's swing three months ago and now and the video that I put together with Ricky the similarities are striking now Ricky's obviously a way better player but like Ken Swing started to follow some of those traits I didn't tell him what I was looking for I was like I just want you to watch Ricky so he, he doesn't know what I'm looking for it's like I think I know what you're like no that's not it <laughs> so stop trying to figure it out right so uh, Nellie's great you're not going to go wrong with Nellie uh, but she's going to be a more upright swing and she's a different body type than you are she's super tall more upright like it's not going to match what i want you to do so let me think more on that and give you uh, an answer charlie hole's another good one as well charlie's good um I, i'd say this if you could get to an event and sit on the driving range and just watch the tempo is is very different than what you think it is it's way slower and smoother and cleaner um and they generate power that way as opposed to muscling things like the PGA Tour players do, right? So tempo, hitting it in the middle of the face is huge. Um, toes and heel strikes don't go as far. I don't care how hard, how hard you swing. So just the timing and working on that, you might pick that up from seeing, you know, players. Scott, does that also uh, impact the way that you fit a female as well? Absolutely. Yeah, you have to look at – and PGA Tour, LPGA, they're all – they're different in their own entity like so you don't have all the speed some of the girls do Nelly swings it really fast um 
she's one of four or five that swing probably over 100, uh, which is fast. Um, most of them are probably low 90s, high 80s, but again, they're hit, hit in the middle of the, fa of the face. So in fitting, I'd start to look at something lighter, something a little more flexible that would kick and give you a little more distance. Good. Okay. Thank you. Um, my second question uh, was because I think I am trending to do an early extension. So do you have, maybe, if you agree, Scott, <laughs> um, do you have any tips or drills that you think that I could focus on whenever I'm swinging to prevent an early extension? Oh, I love these questions. Also known as I hate these questions. <laughs> um, so <clears throat> the the question that, to kind of give you some of my background pedigree on where I learned to teach. So whenever we would ask that question of Hank, so Hank taught for over 50 years, so Hank Johnson, not to be confused with Hank Haney. So um, he got that all the time and annoyed the crap out of him. <laughs> 2004 National Teacher of the Year and all that. It's like, still don't recognize him as the same. He's just not the same persona. Um, but is, how's the ball know that? Right, so people are like, I'm trying to do this. I was like, so how's the ball know that? Well, I hit it better when I was like, well, you made a giant leap from this to that. Like, you got to fill in the pieces in the middle. Um, and then I would ask, what do you mean by early extension, right? So, like, I hate answering these questions because the answer is complex, and I'll talk for hours. Um, I would say this. So uh, there's a series of videos. So this is new. We can announce this, too. Um, on YouTube, uh, follow FBPI Golf on YouTube. Every week there's a new swing tip coming out every single week. We've got 50 of them. They are slated for every single week for the rest, for the next year. So we'll have a new swing tip. You can use the QR code that's out there on the range. Uh, right now, um, I've done this and this is how I teach a lot of my beginners, which you're still in that category. Um, and we start with a shot that's waist high to waist high between two tees. Learn how to hit in the center of the face. That's step one. Waist high to waist high, no bigger than that. Do that for an entire week. Then the next week, uh, what we do is I actually teach you how to curve the ball. So that's session two. Like, wait, curve the ball left and right? Yeah, I can teach you how to curve the ball so you have some control over the club face. Scott, are you going to do all 50? or no. so, <laughs> Okay, just but, making sure. Just but making from sure. there, so then what you do is you begin to build the swing bigger and bigger until it breaks down. And now if it breaks down, then that's the threshold at which you train. And so you want correct reps. That's what matters. So as you're working that little shot, generally speaking, that's going to eliminate almost all of your early extension. It eliminates a ton of bad habits um, just by trying to swing between two tees and find the middle of the club face. So we're back to find the middle of the club face. So that's, but that's up on YouTube right now. You can watch, watch those. I've got one last question to end our Q&A here. And I, I'm surprised that nobody's asked it, really. Scott, I want you to talk a little bit about the differences between fitting on turf versus fitting on grass. I feel like this is a big, big deal. A lot of people will go to like, you know, Golf Galaxy, Golf Tag, you know, wherever they go and get fit. And number one, you can't see the ball flight. But number two, you're hitting off of a synthetic surface that is not the way that the club's going to interact on grass. So can you speak to a little bit about how you would fit – uh, let's just say a tour player and your average Joe on grass and on turf. Okay. I'd say this. I, I never have fit uh, indoors. Never. Never done one fitting indoors. And a little bit of that is, again, ball flight. If I can't see it, I trust this, you know, to, to the end of the earth, but I I really trust when I see what it's doing. Okay. So that, that, that 
number one, I would just want to teach indoors unless it's the worst day of the year and you can do some, I have to use TrackMan indoors and because it still gives you numbers and it still gives you curve. So it's the best scenario for an indoor fitting or lesson or whatever if you have to do it. Try, try to avoid it. Uh, t I'll say this about turf. I, again, never fit a tour player on turf. Won't do it. It's gotta they be, won't do it. They won't do it. Uh, the, there are some really cool mats now <laughs> that give you a simulation of a divot. Um, again, simulation of a divot is still not a divot. And it is a little more relief to your hands and body, uh, not like hitting off concrete with grass on top of it, right, or turf on top of it. So I, 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 those are things I just avoid at, at best. Um, but there is definitely lingle issues when you're hitting on a mat. Uh, you don't get true lingle. Turf interaction, obviously, you don't get any turf interaction. So it's hard to say, does, does the toe get in the ground and the club face opens, and that's why the ball is going to the right? Off, a, off of a synthetic, or whereas on grass, I know it is. I can look at the divot, right? So in, in a short little summation, that's kind of my, my theory on that. I think, too, as a player as well, I got the, uh, the wonder, awful, wonderful opportunity to get fit here by, uh, by our Strixon rep, Gareth, when he came over here. And uh, it was my first fitting that I've ever had on grass. And it was – Awesome because not uh, number one, I got to feel the way that the specific heads interacted with the turf, and I feel like a lot of people, if they get fit in a synthetic scenario, they're like, "Oh man, these clubs are the best," and then they take them out to the course, and they're like, "Oh, they don't feel like they don't feel the same, right?" And so I think that it, for any of you guys out there who are listening either on audio or here on the back porch. There is something to be said about you, the player, no matter what your handicap is, to feel the way that the club interacts with the turf, and that's going to also impact how you play the game. So you might think that these are the best clubs for you, but what if you get an expert fitter like Scooter over here who can fit you on grass, and now you can start to feel the minutia of uh, why it's so important to get fit? Yeah, and I, th I think... Like here, some of the stuff will have to like when I'm off, if it's raining or a little bit, and Scott needs to get something done. We can still hit from in that building outside. We can still step outside that building. We're building a tee to the right of the building. That's will be for club fitting alone. So be able to move off of mats onto grass. Sneak peek there. Really? Um, that's the yeah, first time we've ever said that. That's coming to the, on the right side of the building. So um, that way we'll teach on the left, we'll fit on the right. Um, but even Elijah's gone out there and hit off the grass. It's different. And especially wedges, we had a we had a player come through, hadn't been fit for wedges on grass or on different or just off the tee with a wedge. I was like, this player has to hit different shots, and they could only and they're a good player, and all they could hit was one shot. I was like, and you got fit for a wedge, you got a twelve degree bounce, and you're shooting the mid seventies, and you're a good, you're a developing junior golfer who's really good. Like you might need twelve degrees of bounce if you're playing on an all turf course. Oh, God. Yeah, uh, she had like might. the she had like the Cleveland Smart Soul or something. That's what it looked like. I was like, no, <laughs> not for you, not for you. So. I, I'll I'll say this quickly too. I, I just visited the um, the Callaway Fitting Center. Uh, they literally for wedge fittings they bring turf in to the building, so there will be a square that's in that building inside, and they'll bring in zoysia and common Bermuda. And oh, so when you grass. say turf, you mean actual grass. Actual, they'll cut it. Yeah, that is the coolest thing it, I've heard all that's day. It is so cool. Wow. Uh, but tour players, the coolest thing. right, they want to feel that, that interaction, right? So it's, 
I mean, that's unlimited money, and you can do – they have sod farms, and they do that stuff. But that's how – that's the level those guys, you know, take. Yeah. One of the neat things that Hank used to do with fittings, uh, especially with wedges, he would always start in the bunker. I'm going to fit you with the perfect bunker club. Yeah. And that may be the only that may be the only place you ever use that club. So that I have a I have a fifty I have a sixty degree that I use exclusively out of the bunker in a very specific scenario. But I'm trying not to hit it in a place where I have to hit that shot. So I'll I'll avoid that like the plague. Um, but is I I would end it this way. So one for for me. Hey, we got uh, one more quick one more question. question. For Tate wants I, I was, a question. I was just gonna add so. on. How much weight do you put in like when you're you know beginner or mid or even you know low handicap like practicing on turf making sure you're going to a range that has turf that you're not just like when you're going out to practice you're not just practicing on synthetic all the time from the teaching side unfortunately with public golfing and you're in this area where most everybody goes on mats for the winter just you, you can't grow grass we're not on you know so um it's more about the intentionality of being able to pay attention to what you're doing. And so if you people are like, man, I just hit it so great on mats. It's like, we've got to pay better attention to just hitting it good. So things like um, uh, Dr. Schultz foot spray on the face, so you can see where on the face it's hit. Um, things like that can be very helpful. So it's, I'm more about being intentional with paying attention to your body. The phrase I use all the time is control. Everybody's like, I want to be more consistent. I was like, you already are. Like, I can tell you, I can make bets in Vegas of what you're going to shoot today, right? You're going to shoot between this and this right? Like that's, everybody has a range. So we're trying to give you control over what happens to your environment. And so for me, it's learning, helping people pay attention to what they're doing and what they're feeling. I find most people just aren't very good at that. It's because they haven't been told how to. So trying to help you pay attention to what you're doing, less about, you're just stuck, you know? So I would also say play more in the winter instead of hitting as many balls if you have to. So love it. I like love it, that. I love it. Well, uh, guys, we're going to wrap it up and do our last couple giveaways. But for those of you who are listening on audio, uh, or are we on YouTube, or did we get cut? Oh, we're still on YouTube? Okay. We're still on YouTube. There we Tate's go. Tate's like, I got this, Tate's guys. Like, I you, got you this. good. I got this. Uh, but for those of you who are listening on YouTube or uh, Apple Music or Spotify or wherever you're listening to the podcast, we really appreciate you guys, and we're going to end it here. So thanks so much for listening to this live edition of the No Mulligans podcast here on the back porch of Franklin Bridge. Uh Scott, thanks so much for being here, man. We're thank so you, glad to have Dustin, you as part of the family. Yeah, Dustin, thank you guys. And uh, we're excited to have you guys here. Yep. Yeah. Thank you guys. Thank you guys. Thank you all for coming out, too. We really appreciate you guys coming out. Uh, this podcast is just uh, four people talking on the back porch if you guys aren't here. So we really appreciate you guys and uh, listening week in and week out. So we really appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Uh, so from Scott. And Jack here on the back porch and of Franklin Scott, Bridge. And, and other Scott and Elijah. And Tate. Just Thank for, this, you guys. For, for the sake of nostalgia. For the sake of nostalgia. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Scott, Jack, and the panel up here uh, no for Franklin Bridge. We'll see you on the next one. Peace. Peace.